Welcome to Map It Marketing for small business owners who want to become more confident and capable in their marketing. I'm Rachel Claver, and I'm a small business owner just like you. I've learned that there are so many different things that we are supposed to do all the time. And trying to work it all out is quite frankly often very confusing. In this podcast, we're going to explore what those things are and whether you need to pay attention to them. Ready? Let's get started. Imagine creating copy on your website that is so captivating to your ideal client, they know deep down immediately that you are talking to them and you understand what they need. That's what we're going to be talking about today in episode 15 of Map It Marketing. We're talking stories and the power of using them in your marketing and not just any story, but the most important story for you. It's how to write a compelling story to help your business connect with your ideal client. Now, before I jump in and introduce my guest to you today, I want to just ask you to come and take a moment to join our Map It Marketing group on Facebook. It is a group where you can come and ask questions and be supported, and it's suitable for any small business owner. We say it's for New Zealand and Australia, but hey, we'll let you in if you're not from New Zealand and Australia too. That's okay. The other thing is I want to make sure that you know that you can come and talk to us about working with us if you want to as well on your marketing strategy. You just need to email me, rachelidentifymarketing.co.nz and we'll have a chat and set up a Zoom time to talk to you. Now let's get back to this podcast. This is all about the story brand methodology. It was developed by Donald Miller. I'm a bit of a fangirl. The concept behind story brand is that it puts the client as the hero and the star or the center of our business. And we're just the guide, helping them sort out the problems they're facing and using our strengths and skills or products to help them in their day. This is a method of connecting with your customers no matter what sort of business you have. And I've used this model with engineers and retailers, coaches and everything in between. Today, I'm so excited to introduce to you Joel Woolley. He is a certified brand story coach or story brand coach, and he's going to walk us through the seven steps of creating a story brand message and explain the different components behind it. Joel was the first to become a story brand coach in New Zealand and he flew all over the way to the States to go and get himself certified and after working in web design and wanting to find a better way to help small business owners connect with their audience. He's a coastie like me in New Zealand, we both live on the Hibiscus Coast and I really enjoyed connecting with him, although we did realize we probably could have done it in the studio together instead of both on a Zoom call. This is a practical and really helpful episode that breaks down the areas you need to do to think about when creating your marketing and web content. He's a great person to listen to, he's very structured and we walk through the seven elements together and we've also got in the show notes help and support for you to fill out your own story brand guide to start walking through your own messaging. Let's get started with Joel today. Welcome to episode 20 of Map It Marketing. I'm so excited to have Joel Woolley with us today. I introduced him in originally, I talked a little bit about brand story and why I'm really passionate about it and building a story brand. And Joel's going to come and talk to us. Now, before he does that, first, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. I know that your airtime is important time. And so I want to make sure that you know that I really appreciate that you take that time to listen to this podcast. 
I also want to thank you so much for all the amazing feedback we get and the times that you tell us the favorite episodes. I've got someone who's listened to seven episodes of a particular one, um, you know, and tells me that she's listening to it and then taking notes again. And that's really exciting. And, and the other thing I just want to say before we jump in with Joel today is please, if you find this useful and you, you really enjoy it, feel free to share it with other people, but also come along to my favorite part of the internet, which is our group Map It Marketing on Facebook, where you can ask questions and you can talk about the podcast or anything about marketing to help you with your small business. So, right, now I've done that a lad. Um, welcome, Joel, uh, to the Map It Marketing podcast. I thought it'd be great just for you to tell us a little bit about who you are and, um, and then we can get started from there. Sounds good, Rachel. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm Joel. I'm the founder of a company called My Brand Story. And what we do is we help people um, grow their business um, with brand messaging that works and then really help them apply that to their website and spread that message to the world. That's awesome. Now, you, the brand story comes from um, the, and I talked about Donald Miller a little bit in the introduction. It comes from a framework that Donald Miller created, didn't it? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. As I suddenly thought, oh my gosh, maybe it doesn't. And now I'm going to be like, you're going to be awkward and go, no, this is my <laughs> own thing. That's not related. It just sounds like it's the same. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he, I mean, the term brand story, I feel like has been around for quite a while, but he's really made a, his own brand out of it and called it story brand. So just had a little bit of a technical difficulty there. Just, we're just hopefully, oh, there we go. Sorry, we had a bit of a technical difficulty there. It might happen occasionally, but so, um, oh, and my internet connection's unstable. Um, apologies. <laughs> we were laughing before in the um, in the session, um, everyone, before because um, Joel and I actually don't live very far apart, and we said that maybe we should have done this in person. And now I'm going, we definitely should have done this in person. There's still um, time. With Joel, <laughs> with, with brand story and building a story brand, um, did, why did you jump into this? Like, why was this the thing you decided to do? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So. So Rachel, I've been building websites about the past ten years. Um, even though I'm a youngin, um, yeah, it's been it's been quite a while. And I think once you do something for that amount of time, I was kind of like, I need I need a change, you know. I need a, a new a new challenge, and I wanted to make the pivot into marketing. Um, kind of had that thought and parked it for a while, if I'm honest. And and then I was listening to a leadership conference, and this guy got up. His name was Donald Miller, and I had no idea who he was. Um, and he talked about how you can um, empower the people that you lead through story. And he took us through the whole story brand process. And I didn't know it was story brand at the time. But then at the end, he says, oh, so the same framework that I've just taught you to use, um, you know, with the people that you lead. I also do this for businesses and I can even certify marketing coaches. And it was kind of at that moment, it was like this light bulb where I just knew that it was what a lot of New Zealand businesses lead um, needed. So, you know, a lot of times I'm building websites for people and they give me copy that I have to, you know, put a nice design around and I could just look at this copy and I just knew that it wasn't going to engage people. Um, they weren't really going to get sales from it. And really it comes down to because they're, they're just business owners. They're running their business and they're, they're not copywriters. And so, you know, this is for me was a really good opportunity to go, well, we need to bring StoryBrand to New Zealand. And, and so I did a bit of research into finding out you know, what story brand guides were there any in New Zealand and there weren't at the time. And so I decided to take a bit of a leap of faith and at 22, fly over to um, Nashville in the States and, and I was the first certified story brand guide. I 
I can imagine being over there. I've looked at it a couple of times and before COVID, obviously since it's not so easy, but I had looked at it a couple of times and thought, oh, it's a temptation because I just imagine he is such a consummate storyteller and I feel also, not this is all about Donald Miller, but um, because he's got quite a strong Christian faith. I'm imagining that the conference you were at was a Christian leadership yes, conference. Yeah. yeah. So I think one of and I I used to be um I used to be quite involved in churches and I often say you know Christianity taught me to be a great marketer because it's all about storytelling and telling a story in a compelling way that yeah. helps people connect with the heart and I think that's one of the magic of the framework is it is something that immediately gets to the heart of the matter instead of having a whole lot of fluff. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like. Yeah, and that's that's the problem I noticed with a lot of this copy I was getting is it was just like let's just tell every you know let's just bring every other piece of information other than the stuff that people actually care about. <laughs> and often people put so much about themselves on the website. And what Storybrand yeah. does, can you tell us a little bit about how this is different? Like, what is one of the key things that makes it different? Yeah. So, kind of with the whole Storybrand process, a lot of it comes from that most marketing that's out there in the world is just super confusing. And when your marketing's confusing, it won't cut through the noise. No. And so the reason for that is, is that your customer is bombarded with over 5,000 commercial messages per day. And that's even in little old New Zealand, just all the, you know, the Facebook and Instagram ads that are interrupting you as you scroll. And so their poor brain is having to filter through all of this information just to understand what's going to be relevant to them. And um, as you can imagine, like that burns a lot of calories when you've got 5,000 messages just being thrown at you. Um, and so it's that's why it's important that we clarify our message so that we can cut through this filter and actually be heard. Um, I see clarifying your message has uh, like multiple levels to it. So on one level, it's about focusing on the right talking points. And so that's one thing that StoryBrand does really well is mm-hmm. so they take you through seven parts um, that... Uh, make up any good story. So, you know, for example, um, where it starts is that a, a character needs to want something. So what do they want from your brand? It could be as simple as, um, you know, like I'm dealing with some family um, family lawyers at the moment. And so for, for them, they're dealing with people that have gone through divorce and separation. So they want to, you know, get onto this next chapter in their life. Um, you know, yeah, so it's got to start with them wanting. Eh? Because like with those sort of things, it's tempting to get into legalese and here's all the stuff we can do for you. But actually they're hitting that need of going, where are you in your journey? What crisis are you currently facing? And how do yeah. we help you get over that crisis? What's yeah, the exactly. Result? And I think when we think about what does the character want, it's easy to overthink it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but really it's like, what do they want from your brand? It's interesting I mean, with know. this um, around the character wants because um, we did. I used brand stories to do our website and saw, and I said this in the introduction. We saw at a dramatic upswing um, when we did it of people making contact, and they'd often say, "We have on ours, you know, we help best keep secrets. Tell we tell best keep secrets." Yeah. And quite often, someone will email us and say, "Oh, we're a best keep secret business. Can you work with us?" And earlier on the year, I got a bit of a speed wobble and I was like, oh, you know, it's a bit quiet because we had this crazy busy year last year. And I've been using, you know, we help people become confident and capable, which is still part of our story. And I changed the messaging to confident and capable. I want you to become confident and capable because business owners want that. But actually, it's not a pain point enough for them to act on it. So we got, it was like crickets. Like even Mm. though it was a great message and it was still the you thing, 
it didn't work. And I went, this is not working. And I changed it. And literally the day I changed it back to the best kept secret message, we got clients coming back in again and taking leads. And so part of that thing is actually finding that pain point, isn't it? Rather than just what do they need, what clients say they need and what they actually need can be different, right? Yeah, I think the want is important, right? So even the confident and capable thing definitely works Hmm. um, because it gives them something to aspire towards. And I think a great marketing is aspirational, but then you've got to pair that right away with the what's the pain point so that it's more relevant um, or else it just almost appears fluffy, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's where often people, when they're trying this, they get stuck in the fluff because they're like, this is what I want you to feel but, and that's good. But when you're hitting a website, that, that feeling thing is so dependent on that person's day. Whereas that pain point of, yeah, that's the problem. If they see it right away and go, I'm the character in that pain point right now, that's yeah. when it becomes awesome, right? Yeah, definitely. And so one thing StoryBrand does well too, when we're talking about pain points, is that it, it, it recognizes that there are multiple levels to that problem, right? So you've got the external problem, which um, you know might be that they you the business that you're dealing with, then they don't currently feel like they're getting the recognition that they deserve. Mm. Um, and how does that leave them? How does how is that problem making them feel? And I've found so even um, on my website for a while, I had the words like, um, "Are you feeling stuck?" in one of the paragraphs and the amount of clients came to me and they go, yeah, actually I I didn't think about it, but I am feeling stuck. Mm. And for them, it was funny just putting that internal feeling on there um, was actually what, you know, helped them cross over the line. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think quite often people just like, I often talk about how um, social media was meant to bring us together. And in so many ways it has, it's made our world small. It means you can discover Donald Miller, you can mm-hmm. go over and do something, but then you can run something and have conversations with other coaches around the world. Like it brings and connects us together. But at the same token, we all have become these silos often where we're not feeling like we're getting a connection, don't feel like anyone really understands us. Yeah. So when you get a website that understands you, yeah. thing. Yeah, I think especially as business owners, that feeling is even magnified yet again. <laughs> yeah, you can feel very isolated as a business owner. Yeah. And so, okay, so we've got the character. So the characters, because there's seven elements. Do you want to go through the seven elements with me? There's the character. That's the central part. And that's not us, is it? We're not no. the character. No, so the character or the hero of the story, as it's sometimes called, mm. is your customer. And that's quite key because quite often we make our websites about us, but we're not the hero. We'd like to be no. the hero. No, and as well, like I, I think it's important when we think about the hero is that who is our ideal customer? Mm. Like often a lot of business owners don't even ask that question. Mm. Um, so, you know, like a, a lot of the businesses I deal with is they go, okay, I want more customers. I'm like, I, I don't think you want more customers. I think you want more of your ideal customers, which sometimes actually means you get less conversions, yeah. but they're better conversions. Um, and less leads, I think. Like you get, like I, I feel a website's about filtering out the junk leads. Yeah, yeah. And so that's you know that's amazing how many people have not actually thought about who their ideal customer is. They just want everyone. If you have money, please, we'll <laughs> yeah. take your business. <laughs> I always say that saying that to me is like getting a blunt butter knife and stabbing me slowly in the chest and watching <laughs> me bleed out on the floor because it's like don't do that to me. So okay, yeah. so if they're the hero, who are we? So we're the guide. So you've got the hero. The hero wants something. They've got a problem. We've covered those two points. And then a guide comes along. 
And so a guide has usually encountered this problem before. They've come to the other side of it. And so the guide's role is really to um, come and bring empathy and say, I feel your pain. I know what you've been through. But then to also kind of come in again with authority and be like, well, I've got the authority to get you through this. You know, I've got all these happy customers. I've got all these great reviews. Um, I've got this proven process. You know, that's kind of, it's like the the empathy authority one-two punch, if you will. It's fascinating this because I feel like this is why I think it really responds to me because I love the personalization of feeling like you can connect with your with your audience um, so you have a hero, they have a problem, you're the guide and you've been through the problem or you understand it because you are an expert in that area. Yeah. But you need to show it with empathy. You can't just go, I'm working with an um, ins- I was talking to an insurance advisor and his his whole premise was, well, I'm an expert because I've been doing this for 20 years. And I'm like, that's not enough. You know, mm. I need to know that you've watched other people and, and carried them through this. If you've never experienced yourself, I need to hear those stories. I guess that's what you're saying is that that empathy is that that touch base and connection. Yeah, exactly. That's what builds the connection because human beings are so emotional Mm. and the empathy really um, just comes in and helps to build a bridge, you know. Definitely. And and your authority is just like, because if you just come with authority, you're actually placing distance between you and them. It's kind of like I'm better than you, you know, like whereas the empathy brings you both to the same level and it's like, no, I'm here to come alongside you and help you. I often use that I'm a small business owner just like you because I am, but Mm. it's because I struggle sometimes to fit my marketing in. And I think people often go, oh, that makes me feel better because here's this person whose job is to do marketing and she struggles. Um, But what would happen, so if we, so I agree with that, that authority thing just turns people off. Like I'm not big on the whole, it's important to have it, but only what would happen if we were just empathetic and didn't have the authority? Yeah, well, I think, um, Another good way to think of authority is it's just competence, <laughs> right? So if you're empathetic, you can come alongside someone, but if you actually aren't competent and can't do the job, well, then, yeah, you're just taking people's money and you're probably going to have to give a whole lot of refunds. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I feel like with the empathy thing that in New Zealand that I feel with, like particularly with women coaches and, place, and people like that, often I feel like they'd probably be quite good at going on the empathy side but we're taught not to oversell ourselves or to kind of show our merits and who we are and like our laurels, I guess. And so the temptation would be to minimize that and really just talk about the empathy side of of kind of connecting with people. Yeah. I think you can also, you know, you can talk about authority, but you don't necessarily have to be the one saying it. Like that's where testimonials are brilliant Mm, because you've got other people that are telling, you know, that are testifying how great you are and how you've helped them. And so you don't even have to really say a word about it if you don't want to. I think that's powerful. Um, actually, episode 22, which is a couple away from you, um, we're doing an episode on case studies uh, because they are a powerful third-party referral, aren't they, to help do yeah. that, which is awesome. So, Especially okay, so, if you get a face. Especially oh, yeah. Well, face. yeah, faces <laughs> are important. Yeah, it is true, actually. Um, I, I have sometimes people say, oh, I don't trust testimonials, but I can see on our website that the most clicked thing People definitely read them, even if they say they don't trust them. They also don't like pop-ups, but oh, yeah. they still click on pop-ups. So, <laughs> okay, so we've got a guy, I've got a hero who's the customer. They have a problem, and we're the guide, and we need to show that we're the guide through empathy and authority. Yep. So that's hero, problem, guide. Yep. What's the next step? So the next step is we've got to give the hero a plan. Ooh, so the plan is is really. Three or four steps, ideally three, 
um, three steps to do business with you. And so um, the whole idea around this is people don't like moving into a fog. And so you've got to actually decide where the fog is in your business. So it might be before you've made the sale, you've got to give three steps on how to you know clear that up. Or it even might be after the sale. Like say you're an e-commerce business, most people know how to buy online, right? But what happens afterwards, that might be the fog. So you've got to clarify those points too. So, that, so you've got to give them a plan. Oh, I love that for e-commerce because we have a lot of e-commerce clients. So it'd be something like, you make a purchase, uh, we'll get your order processed within 24 hours and it'll be at your door within 48. Yep. Kind of like that. Exactly. I love that. Or it, even if you think something like Ikea or home furniture, right? You buy it online, you get it delivered to your door and you easily set it up at your own home, something like that. Yeah, I love that. I love that there's a plan of how to make it work for you. Yeah. Um, and there's no surprises because the last thing you want to have is a surprise. Like I, I actually ordered IKEA last year um, and didn't read the fine print and it had a thing in there where is it, if they had one thing out of stock, they wouldn't ship anything until that one thing came in. It was during COVID-19. So yeah. I was like waiting for months for my stuff and rang and was like, oh, yeah, we wait. To the, and it was the, the one thing was a $2.99 purchase and it was like a $700 <laughs> order. And I was like, no, I don't want that. But that would have been really helpful to have it really clearly on the website. Yeah. Did you ever get it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I threw a bit of a wobbly um, and took that thing off so I could get it delivered. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't mind about the two ninety nine thing. There's like a little hole in my, like where I was going to hang something, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> so, yes, but it is like that customer experience and making that simple. I guess that's what you're saying is that this is meant to help remove any objections. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just to, to clear the fog. Like the analogy Donald Miller uses often, which is brilliant, is that, you know, if, if you see a big um, raging river in front of you and you're looking at it and it looks pretty daunting when you first look at it. But if someone comes along and says, hey, if you step on that rock there and that rock there and that one there, then you're over the other side. And now it doesn't look nearly as daunting as it did before. And so that's really what the plan does. I really like that. So we have a hero. He's got a problem. You're the guide. You show that with empathy and authority, you have a plan and you show that plan in hopefully about three steps because our brains are little, they don't like using calories. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then what happens next? And so the next step is, is that um, you actually have to call people to action. So people don't just move just because you've got a brand story, right? You've actually got to tell them to move. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you need to make your call to action clear. So, you know, on my website, I want you to book a call with me. So the call to action is book a call. You know, you don't want to be passive. And even saying contact us is quite passive, right? Because, yeah, if you want people to call you, just say book a call. You can be able to schedule an appointment. Just say schedule an appointment. Mm. But um, don't be passive. Be be very direct with it. Yeah, I discovered I was listening to something. I think it was with Donald Miller. And um, I might have been one of his books. And he said something like, don't put get in touch yeah. And I have, I think I still may even have that somewhere because it's one of my go-tos, but it is quite hard to come. I think New Zealanders find it particularly hard to be direct. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a, yeah, it's a battle I run into often. Because <laughs> they're like, no, I don't want to make it too, don't want to be too bossy. Plus what if they don't want to book a call? What about if they want to do this? Or how about we do this? And how about we make it allow for this person, the one in a thousand people that don't ever do any of that stuff, will do this option here instead. Yeah. So usually how I tackle that conversation, because a lot of the businesses I deal with, it comes to like, do you want someone to um, send me an email or do you Mm. want someone to give me a call? Mm. And I always say to them, I was like, what, um, 
do you get a lot more conversions when people give you a call or do you get a lot more conversions when people send you an email? And often they'll always be like, okay, well, when you get a call, like there's an 80% chance they're going to go ahead. I was mm. like, okay, so what is the uh, the conversion rate of an email? Oh, maybe 25%. And I'm like, well, you should just be direct and say, give me a call. Like mm. you're not going to be wasting so much of your time. You're not going to get some of these tire kickers. And in some ways it's like their brain will already be doing the work to decide whether they want to commit or not. You're just being really clear and upfront about this is how we want you to commit. Yeah, I like that. I I think that it is often we try and put too many options in front of people. I remember reading, it was actually a a Christian book from years ago, and it was actually a a guy who'd bought someone from Russia, and he was taking them to an American supermarket, and he went down this aisle, and this guy had this panic attack. And the guy was like, what's going on? He said, like, there's, he said, I can't cope. There's so many types of toothpaste. I can't yeah. choose which one to have because in Russia there's like two. Yeah. And and it's probably not like that now, but that was back, you know, way back in the day of communist Russia. And I I like I like that analogy. I always think about that because quite often we want to give everyone all the options, but sometimes doing that makes people paralyzed because they don't know how to act. Yeah. Well, the one I've the analogy I've heard is the ice cream analogy, right? If you give people two pl- flavors to choose from, they're a lot more satisfied than when you give them the 27 that you see in Pocono. <laughs> that is actually a really good point, right? It's a good one for toddlers. Like if you've got a toddler, you'd do that too, right? You'd always go, yeah. it's because I remember it used to be like if you, you if you give them three options and then you give them options of how to cut the bread as well, like you'll be there for like 45 minutes trying to sort that out. But if you're just like peanut butter or marmite, that's it, whatever the thing is, that's the choice. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think I do think choices add anxiety. And the last thing we want to do is give people anxiety about how to get in contact with us. Yeah, we just got to be clear and be direct. I also like the thing around the fact you do book a call because I hate people calling me because I'm often busy with a client and I don't like having missed calls. I don't listen to my voicemail. So I purposely don't have that as an option. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'll I'll quickly touch on that. So what I do is just book a Zoom meeting and Mm -hmm. all uses Calendly. I mean, we're in the 21st century after COVID. Everyone's well and truly used to this. Um, But it's great because it means that they know when the meeting is. I know when the meeting is. I know that I've got nothing else on and I can dictate what hours people want to contact me. And for me, it's just been brilliant. And um, another just little quick, I know, tangible takeaway for you too, is if, you, if you're doing your meetings over Zoom, you can record them. And so if the client is telling you about their pain point, you can actually almost have a direct quote to come up with some copies. I was saving that for later on, but I thought I'd slip it in now. That is actually <laughs> very clever. I do know when I'm doing strategy for clients, um, often I get into like this a magic place and I do this thing and then we're like, oh no, what did I just say? Because they're like, what was that? And I'm like, I can't backtrack. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> I, I probably should start using um, using the recording. And I, and I was sharing with you before that we I use Otter AI to transcribe um, these podcasts so then I can have a look at my notes. So it's just automatically um, doing that as we talk. Um, and that's probably quite a cool thing too. Um, although I guess if you were recording it and doing that, you'd have to probably check with them that it was okay. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big useful. So okay, so we've got we've got a hero. I'm gonna go keep on doing this because it helps people do it. So hero's got a problem. They meet a guide, which is us. We have a plan, hopefully about three steps, not to make it too hard. And yeah. we have a call to action, which is something that is, is helps them make an action and doesn't give them too many options. Yes. Is there anything else we have to do? So the last two parts of the framework is one is you've got to define what's at stake. So we've defined the problem, but we also need to say, 
if you don't address this problem, what is your life going to look like? And, you know, often in New Zealand, we don't like to be negative, um, but it is important, you know, um, a, a great analogy is that it's almost like salt in a recipe, like a little bit, and it actually adds to the flavor, but you put too much in and it's going to taste awful. So we've got to define here, yeah, what's at stake? What, if you don't go with us, what could your life look like? But then equally, if you do go through with us and you, and you work with us, how is your life going to look like? What's, what's success look like for your ideal customer? And so those are really the last two parts of the framework. So where would you put that negative or, you know, warning bell part um, in your messaging? Obviously, would you put that at the top or are you going to put that near the bottom or where does it kind of fit? Yeah, I usually put it down the bottom. So um, on the bottom of a website or the last page of a brochure usually is kind of where you have your final last ditch call to action, right? Um, And so that's where I would put just a little bit of negativity like, you know, how many leads are falling through the cracks? Question mark. You know, like you can start to open up these questions and they can almost finish the story themselves. So you're just kind of doing a little bit of, hey, don't get too comfortable with this. You might have gone it, but then here's the thing. Is this thing happening to you? Yes. Yeah, got it. And then that seventh, that seventh point, so you've gone, um, the hero has a problem, meets a guide, you have a plan with a call to action, you remind them of what's at stake, and then the last one was what? It was um, what could your life look like? It's like really what does success look like? And oh. so success, uh, so this framework as well, it's worth saying, so there's seven parts to it, but success should really be a bit of everywhere when you're mm. building your website or you're doing your brochures. Like um, It's not like you have to follow the seven in that direct formula every time you build a website, so you've got to have this section, this section. It's like you, it's it's almost a little bit of a, um, how, do, how do you say it? It's like a song almost, you know, you've got your different notes, and, but you can always use them in different places. Um, so success is really good in header sections because you want to be, mm. you know, giving someone something aspirational. Um, you can even use what we call like a value stack, which is where you have three quick points of value. Um, so yeah, use success all over the place. I don't think you can, you can overdo success. I think it's more just as it more when you're working through the process, it's it's helping you work out what would that success would look like for a client as well, isn't it? Like I think for me, when we talked at the beginning with ours, with that confident and capable, I realized that the end result was that business owners felt more confident and felt more capable. That was the end result. Yeah. That wasn't necessarily what their pain point was, but I can feed that through in my marketing. So I'll often talk about, hey, this is for you to do this. Or in our webinars, I say, you know, we help you become more confident and capable. That that success pillar became a part of our core messaging, which I guess would be the same, right? Yeah, yeah. And so in a value stack, you could still put that in there as feeling confident and capable. You could have it with, you know, um, see your business grow mm. and you could stack it up as well with like save time um, or don't waste time on your own marketing or something like that, you know? Perfect. So that's just how success can can come into the picture. So tell me some common mistakes that people do tend to make when they're doing their own web copy. Because a lot of, you know, we're, we're good DIYers in New Zealand and we love to do yeah. things ourselves and we don't like to feel like we've got to pay someone all the time to. What are some common things that you see when people do that or if they've used a copywriter that doesn't understand that customer journey? What are some common things? Yeah, so I think the, the other point I didn't touch on before, but it fits into this section, mm. is that 
everything we do has got to be super clear. So, you know, what I mean by that, it should be easier to understand. So almost any person can actually understand what you do. We don't want people burning um, unnecessary brain calories if they don't have to, right? It's almost like we've got to burn the calories as the business owners and as the marketers so that our customer doesn't have to. Um, but the challenge is, is when you're on your own is that um, it's hard to find that, that clarity on your own. Um, I know even me, I, I help people with this and I still have other guides that I go to and talk to yeah. about my brand messaging. Same here. I, I've, I've told the story before, but I spent a whole week trying to work out the name, the name for our business, came home to my husband and said, it's going to be called Elaborate. And he's like, oh, I don't really like it. I, I think we should call it Identify. And so I did what any wife would do and I went over and punched him in the arm because I was so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I do find that it like it is very hard to do it for yourself. Like I find it hard to do it for myself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when you buy the book for $30, they don't tell you that you're actually going to need someone to help you. And so that yeah. someone could be someone like me, um, but it also could be just even family and friends or even talking to potential clients. Um, so once you've got a client on board, sometimes I'll actually go and, and just ask for feedback and I'll say, hey, I'm coming up with this um, new idea for my messaging. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Like, does this resonate mm-hmm. with you? And you, you've really just got to get the feedback. And I think too, when you when it does work, you will see conversions. I think that was one of the things I really realized was, you know, when I say that I changed it and then went back to it immediately, the traffic was already there, mm. but you should be seeing conversions coming through it. If you've got this, what you think is perfect, a perfect message and you're getting hundreds of people to your website over a week or whatever, and no one's getting in contact, there's a problem. Yeah. One case study that kind of stood out to me when I was over in the States is, um, I don't remember the name, but it was a life insurance company that um, StoryRound was sharing. And this life insurance company decided to do something different and stand out in their industry. So mm-hmm. they changed all of their marketing collateral so that a 13-year-old can understand and comprehend what they do. Um, and, you know, life insurance is very well known for being super confusing and half the time no one actually knows what they get. <laughs> but you know, you should have it. <laughs> and so that was actually their point of difference. Mm. And for them, the business result was that they were one of the fastest growing life insurance companies in the States That's because amazing. for once someone actually knew what they did. Yeah. Cause I often go um, actually to other marketing companies uh, websites and I don't consider myself to be dumb, but I often go to a person's website and I feel dumb when I'm reading their website and yeah. I don't want to feel dumb. I don't want to be made to feel dumb. I don't consider myself to be stupid. But sometimes there's so much jargon on the website, I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. And so kind of another um, thing to think about is where is your customer at in that journey? Mm. And so a lot of businesses is like, I'll create like a one-liner for them, which is like a one-sentence one description of what they do. And they're like, yeah, but that doesn't fully... I don't know, it doesn't fully encompass all the services and the products that we offer. And I'm kind of like, well, it doesn't need to because you'd be sharing this to people that actually have, have never really heard of you before. Maybe you're at a networking event or you've got it in your email signature or something. It's like they don't need that super narrow view yet. They just need the high level view. And so that's why your website, you kind of start off and your homepage might be a bit more, um, bit more broad a bit more high level around the problem that you solve, but then you might go and once they've clicked into a specific product or a service, it's like it narrows down again. And then maybe they want to find out a bit more in a blog article, well, then it can narrow further down again. And so you've just got to be aware of what stage of the customer journey that customer is at and make sure that your your brand messaging is targeted for that stage. 
I love this. I talk about how it's being an iceberg. So I always say, you know, you need to imagine your whole business is an iceberg, but often we only have to show people the tip above the water and show that part. And that is just what that is. And for us, I know that our kind of winning moment was going, everyone in our business actually needs to do, who works with us needs to do a strategy before we can do anything else. So actually our front page just talks about strategies. We do all sorts of things, but that's the thing we talk about because that's actually one, the thing they have to do. And two, that's what leads to everything else. And that liberated us from feeling like we had to have, we used to have a 65 page website and we've gone down to a four page website. Yeah. And I think that's the key, isn't it? Is that people still think often our websites have to show everything we do just in case what we need to do is stop being a warehouse and start being a specialty store. Yeah, exactly. Like just, I don't know, there's always that talk about niching. And I think that is, you know, when I first got into business, I thought niching was stupid, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope some other people have felt, you know, what I've what I've gone through. But, you know, I think now as I've gone further along in my journey, I'm definitely a lot more clear around niching is important. You've got to know who that ideal customer mm-hmm. is and you've got to put that flag in the ground. It's like, so that's why I've kind of gone, my, my brand story, we just do brand messaging. Um, yeah, and that's really just what we've chosen to specialize in. And it's, and it's scary, isn't it, when you do that as a small business owner? Because for you, doing that, there's a risk. Yeah. It's um I think now looking back though, it's 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 great. I've done enough of, you know, oh, we do brand messaging and then oh, okay, we can also help you with this. And then you get burnt a few times, and you go, oh, okay, we should, you know, we're just gonna stick with this brand messaging thing. <laughs> We actually had this conversation this morning. So we do have this rule that you can't do anything with us until you've done a strategy. And we had a bit of a quiet patch about four months ago. And it, was, it, it wasn't it was like hugely quiet, but there was this little, we were both nervous a bit. And so Rod let someone come and do some stuff with us without doing the strategy. And we yeah. were talking about the client this morning. There's a few problems around what they're doing. And I went, you know, well, there's a problem. We didn't do that strategy first. And he was like, Yes, I am aware of that. And it, the thing was, it's normally me that breaks that rule. So it was quite yeah. it was quite satisfying for me. But it is that thing, you know, we you need to stick to what you're good at. And there's so many of us around. Like, you know, like I love that you do brand story because we might use it as part of our session, but if I don't, we don't really have that capacity or or the training to do it with every client around what we can do. So I know I can go, hey, go to Joel. That would be a good person to go and do that part. If we stick to what we're best at, everyone benefits from it. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny, Rachel, just about the, the client thing. I remember hearing this one business owner share that um, all the business decisions that he's ever regretted were all the times he was desperate. <laughs> yes, that is very true. That has also been our experience. So I, I very much would agree with that. So if people want to find it, I've loved this, job. It's been great. And I love the seven steps, which I think is so important. Um, if people want to get hold of you, how would they do that? And what's, what is your three-step process? Yeah. So if people want to get a hold of me, the easiest way is to just go to mybrandstory.co.nz. It's M-Y-B-R-A-N-D-S-T-O-R-Y. .co.nz. And so on there, you'll actually find our three-step process. It's pretty simple. So one is we create your brand message. And so we've got like a brand messaging kit, which is where I'll actually go create your brand message and we'll collaborate on it together and give you some coaching on how to use it. Um, The second step is that you need to apply that brand message to your website. Mm. So just having a brand story doesn't actually generate any business for you. Mm. It's all in how you execute and apply it. 
And then the third step is once you apply it to your website, it's about spreading it to the world. So whether that's on social media, whether that's creating email sequences, sales funnels, it's just just get that message out there really. Um, and so, you know, we can either continue the coaching, help you with that, or um, you can get me and my team to help you with that. So, yeah, that's really it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, at the end of this session, I always do like a little outro um, where I just go through and talk about how to apply this best to your business because um, we have a we do a, like a marketing map and in the middle we have the website is often the central point and we always talk about supercharging your website. So this is part of that. So I'll be doing that in the outro. But thank you so much for your time today. And I know it will have been a benefit um, to everyone here. Um, and I will have make sure in the show notes it's got a link to your website. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Rachel, for having me. You're very welcome. Have a great day. See ya. I love the quote that Joel said when he said that we have to define what's at stake. What if you don't go with us? What could your life look like? And equally, if you do go through with us and you work with us, how is your life going to look at? That is what we're trying to get someone to decide when they come to our website. If that is something that your clients or potential customers can't decide when they come to your website, then I think it would be a great idea to take the seven elements of storytelling that Joel walked through today and apply it to your own business. For those of you that are content writers, that might be a fairly straightforward process. If it's not, I recommend getting help from Joel, from us, or from other people who can help you really pull apart where your brand story is. If you want to give it a go yourself, I've put in the show notes the marketing story brand guideline. You just have to log in and give them an email and they'll give you a, a spreadsheet type of worksheet that you can use to do that yourself. Uh, but one of the things I really want to walk you through is one thing that will really help you is to first really think about who the hero is that you're targeting. Um, and in the episode Narrow the Arrow, we talked about how to really work out who your ideal persona is. And it's really important for you to work out what they need and what can you do to satisfy that need and meet it. That is where the magic is. I'd love you to share where your hero, who your hero is and how you're the guide in our Map Marketing group. So come along and join in there in our Facebook group. And next week, it is going to be me alongside you. We're going to build a bit on these seven elements of great storytelling because I'm going to walk through with you my process of how I write social media captions. I've got a formula and it works for every type of business. And during this session, we're going to go through the different sections and it comes with a free worksheet that you can use to work through your own content captions. I'm really looking forward to doing that with you. And until then, have a wonderful week and keep on marketing. Thanks for tuning in today to Map It Marketing with me, Rachel Claver. Make sure you hit subscribe in your podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you want notes or information about today's podcast, go to rachelclaver.com slash podcast for more information.